Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. Dot the grovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. You've already heard a part of uh, the passage of scripture that warrants our attention. I'm going to back up a couple of verses and start at verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. This month, as we focus this year on canceling things, this we, we canceling stuff this year. In uh, January, we focused on canceling the flesh. February, we focused on canceling weakness. This month, March, we're focusing on canceling financial illiteracy. We want to get smarter and wiser with money. Amen. How we make it, how we invest it, what we do with it, even how we spend it. And so Luke chapter 12, verse 13 is where we want to look at on on today. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. A part of what we are going to examine has already been read in the responsive reading. Let me appreciate everyone who's serving today. Thank you to all of you serving in your respective capacities. Uh, your service is greatly appreciated. It's greatly necessary and appreciated. Luke 12, 13. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile, fertile, fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Amen. I want to talk simply from the thought, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Our, our text today, our text today, uh, where Jesus is engaged in teaching, he's teaching a crowd. And uh, as he teaches this crowd, a question comes up from uh, a brother who's apparently having a dispute with his other brother. And so uh, these, these two brothers, they're brothers, and uh, the one brother interrupts Jesus and poses the question, you know, help me with my brother, help me with my brother, uh, tell him to give me my share. Of the inheritance this inheritance apparently their father had died and the older brother would get twice as much as all of the other 
uh, young men in the family. So this one brother apparently wasn't getting his share from the other brother. And these are two brothers. These are not, these are not cousins. These are brothers. The brothers. So Jesus, Jesus, y'all, he, uh, he goes into this exhortation telling them uh, to be on guard. He says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. He's telling them to be on, to be on guard, to be on watch, to, uh, to serve as a security guard over your heart, over your life, to, to, to serve watch over uh, your heart, to make sure greed never makes its way into your spirit. Greed, having, having way more than you need to the point where you're not concerned about the needs uh, or the plights of others. Paul would pick up on this theme of greed when he told the Colossians, told the Colossians in Colossians 3 and 5, uh, put to death the sinful earthly, sinful earthly uh, things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. He went on to say, don't be greedy. Don't be greedy. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So we're encouraged throughout the scriptures to, uh, to be on the lookout for greed, to be on the lookout for only looking out for yourself, not looking out for the, for the well-being of others, not looking out for anybody but yourself. So here's what Jesus said. Um, Jesus said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, the passage that was read for the responsive reading dealt a lot with clothes and food, clothes and food. And as we deal with financial illiteracy this month, although Jesus is not so concerned about our buying too much clothes, he was telling his, his disciples, don't worry about clothes. Don't be overly concerned about what you're going to wear. Don't, don't be overly concerned about whether or not you're going to have food to eat. My heart goes out to the people of Ukraine. They're being starved to death. No water. It's, it's awful what's happening. But can you imagine Living in, living in such a state where you don't, there's no food to eat, no, no clean water to drink, hospitals being bombed. Uh, Jesus is telling his disciples, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Although he's not telling us, to, he, he's not telling us uh, anything really about financial illiteracy in, in and of itself, but there is something that Jesus teaches that we need to talk about, and that is... Why do we have so much clothes? How many of you would admit? How many of you would admit that you, you have too many clothes? You got too much. You got too many shoes, too many, too many clothes, and probably a whole bunch of other stuff. Way, some of y'all got folk telling on you. I ain't mad at you. But we, all, I think all of us, all of us guilty of having too much. Why? Why? Why do we accumulate so much stuff? Why do we spend so much money buying clothes and other stuff. Why? Well, some research has been done on it. And Professor Marsha Richens has done some research and she said, so she started this research back in the 90s, doing some research on materialism back in the 90s and her research has concluded that it seems to begin this, this uh, appetite for materialism, clothes and other things begins in middle school. It, ex it begins in childhood, accelerates in middle school, when, when middle school young people were asked, what makes you happy? Most of them said owning and having stuff made them happy. Owning and having 
things, stuff, whether it's clothes, devices, you name it, just owning and having stuff made them happy. And then when asked why, it's the social, social dynamics of middle school, along with the movies that they watch, makes them think that these things uh, contribute to their happiness. Television, internet, media, advertising, and their parents' habits. That a lot of our kids, a lot of our kids pick up their habits from us as parents. We don't want to admit it, especially if the kids are with us in the room. We don't, want to, we don't want to admit it, but a lot of times our children's habits, especially their spending habits, they get it from watching us. Even if we never tell them, baby, now when you get this, you've got to get it on sale, get it on clearance, or hook, up, hook up with your cousin to get you that additional discount. We don't, even though we may never tell them, just by virtue of them watching us, we're communicating to them, here's what you do when it comes to clothing, here's what you do when it comes to stuff. She went on. Her research also says this. I don't know how many of our young ladies on the Huntington uh, All-Star Worldwide um, could probably beat the Lakers on their best day in this season. And that's, that's my team. I'm, I could dog out my own team. I wonder how many of y'all could bear witness. I don't know how many of y'all are in the seventh grade. But her, this, is, this is something that she uh, concluded in her, in her research. Uh, and I'm quoting. She said, I think of seventh grade as being the worst age of a person's life. How many, of you, how many of you can bear witness to that? You've been in seventh grade. You got a child going through seventh grade. How many of y'all hated it? And, and especially when you had to go through it three or four times. How many of y'all did three or four tours in seventh grade? Come on, don't lie. You in church, don't lie. I, I know I got some people did some three or four or five tours. You were 16 in the seventh grade. Only dude in the middle school would needed a parking pass driving yourself to class. I think of seventh grade as being the worst age of a person's life. It's really a fraught time, and there's all this insecurity that kids have about who am I, do people like me, what kind of person am I, so how do we navigate that? Well, our appearance is one of the things we navigate with. One of the things that helped our seventh graders make it through life is their appearance. She went on to say this. So what does a kid see when they see another kid? They see the expression on their face, they see the body language, the posture, and the clothes they're wearing. And so a kid who's not very self-confident in navigating this, that seventh grade season, is going to maybe feel a little more self-confident uh, if they're wearing the right kind of clothes rather than the wrong kind of clothes. Okay? She went on to say this. Here we're learning right off the bat that having things can help us define who we are. That's what the professor said based on research. That's what the world says. Having stuff helps us define who we are. But I did some more digging to find out why do we buy? Why? Why, why do we buy clothes and all other kind of stuff? We don't even have room. Minister Steely prayed and, and included the word of God in her prayer how when we, we, we tithe, God said he'd open a window, pour out a blessing. We don't have room enough to receive. Some of us got so much stuff, we don't have room to receive anymore, but we steadily buy more stuff. Got so much stuff, and I've mentioned this before, you got so much stuff in your house, you've had to put it all out in your garage. Can't even put your cars in your garage. I just believe garages were meant for automobiles. That's just me. Why do we buy? Here's some more research turned out, social interaction. Sometimes we go shopping because that's what we do with our friends. Come on, sisters. You just, that's just what you do with your friends. Then sometimes we buy for social status. We want people to think we got something. So we, we wear certain things, we buy certain things. 
um, for the social status. Then there's impulsive buying. Just bought it. Wasn't even thinking. You bought it. You bought it. You didn't care if it didn't fit. You figured, I'm going to get into it. Yeah, I'm going to start, I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing my meal prep. I'm going to get into it. Why? Because it was just too, you couldn't leave it in the store. So you bought it anyway. Impulsive buying. Some of us have to admit that we have an addiction to buying. Amen. Then we buy stuff sometimes because it's cheap and it's easy to get it. Clothes have become so much cheaper with Amazon. Well, my, my fellow Amazon Prime Saints, come on. Yeah. Sometimes that one click makes it so easy and it's so cheap. Here's something else. Sometimes we buy because we're bored. There's nothing else to do. We're bored. Sometimes we buy because we're insecure. Then we got my on sale. It's such a good deal you couldn't pass it up. That my BOGO shawties. All my, my BOGO shawties. You couldn't pass it up. It was buy one. You didn't need any more socks. You didn't need any more jeans. You didn't, you didn't need any more. That BOGO, it, that BOGO made you do it. That, that BOGO devil made you do it. Right? Also, it boosts our mood. It boosts our mood. I'll admit that there have been some times when stress made me buy. Retail therapy is a whole vibe. Can I get a witness? It's for real. It's for, I'm not saying it's good therapy, <laughs> but it's therapy. Here's something else, y'all. Many human behaviors are driven by reward. Purchasing a new gadget or item of clothing triggers a surge of, of dopamine, which creates pleasurable feelings. Though the glow of a new purchase may not last long, the desire to once again to be rewarded with a, burst of, with a burst of dopamine drives us to buy even more. So there's some who would suggest there's even something scientific, something uh, uh, physiological with buying. Buying. Okay? But I want to encourage you, don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. When it comes to your money, when it comes to accumulating stuff, don't be a fool. Somebody talk back to me and say, don't be a fool. Dr. Charles Gilbert, the late Dr. Charles Gilbert, used to be a member of our church. He, he used to say, he used to talk about how people would waste money on what they wanted and then have to beg for what they needed. I think all of us know somebody like that. Know somebody's like that. Waste all of their money on what they want and then have to beg for what they need. So listen, don't ruin your finances with out-of-control spending on clothes, gadgets. They put these new iPhones out, these new iPads out. They put it out because they know that some of us going to feel like we got to have it. Got to have it. And you have to replace them jokers every two, three years. I was in, I was in um, AT&T about a couple of years ago in the late Aubrey Thornton. Some of y'all remember Aubrey Thornton, J.R. Thornton. He was in there. He was getting a phone. I'm in there getting me another phone. And uh, he was getting him another flip phone. J.R. Thornton, the late J.R. Thornton was getting him another flip phone. I said, J.R., you getting you another phone? Yeah, man, this phone won't act right. Get me another one. You get another flip phone? Yeah, man. He said, what you got there? So I told him kind of whatever smartphone I had. He said, how long have you had it? And I knew where he was going. I couldn't even, I already knew I was set up for the okie doke. So the end of the conversation basically was, he had his flip phone way longer. The one he was getting rid of had it way longer then I had my smartphone. Those flip phones, we can laugh and joke about these OGs with the flip phones. But those flip phones will outlast these smartphones. Some of y'all with your grandmamas got those flip phones. You will have the iPhone 25X. 
They'll still have the flip phone that they got today. We can't give in to the okie doke. Here's another thing we can do when it comes to buying. Don't be a fool. Develop a budget and stick to it. I'm not going to get into developing a budget in depth, but develop a budget. It's not a bad word. Amen. Develop a budget and stick with it. Here's something else I learned. I want to just pass on while we're talking about spending. Shop with cash, cash rather than a debit card. It's easier to track how, how much you're spending when you spend cash rather than a debit card. So the next time you go shopping for whatever you're shopping for, take cash. You, you're going to the Galleria Mall to hit the, the three stores we got left. Take cash <laughs> instead of a debit card. You want to go to River Crossing? Take cash rather than a debit card. You want to go to Tanger Outlet? Take cash rather than a debit card. Even if you're only going with $100. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know why you would go to Tanger Outlet with only $100. I mean, you might go to Old Navy and get you a T-shirt, pair of socks, and come on back to Warner Robins. But I mean... Take cash instead of that debit card. It's easier to track your spending because I know it. I know it. I know what the professor said. I know what research shows. But the Bible says, Jesus said, your life is more than food and your body is more than clothing. Your life is more than food and your body, whether you like your body or not, is more than clothing. Your life, whether you like how your life is going, whether you like where you are in life, your life is more than food, your body. It's more than clothing. So what we ain't going to do, what we, what, what we ain't going to do as the people of God is define ourselves by our possessions. I said what, what we ain't going to do as followers of Christ who've been born again, we ain't going to define ourselves by our possessions, whether you're in the seventh grade or 70 years old. What, what we ain't, ain't going to do is define ourselves. You are not what you have. You are not what you can afford. You are not the designer clothes. Listen, I don't care if you got a real $400, $500 belt around your waist or a bootleg $400, you know, trying to perpetrate. You, you ain't what you wear. You, there's more to you than what you can or cannot afford. Stop comparing yourself to others who may look uh, like they have more because a lot of these folks, they faking it until they make it. Amen. NDIRE said this. I am not my hair. I am not my hair. Here's what she said. She said, good hair means curls and waves. No. Bad hair means you look like a slave. No. At the turn of the century, it's time for us to redefine who we be. You can shave it off like a South African beauty. Or get in on lock like Bob Marley. You can rock it straight like Oprah Winfrey. If it's not what's on your head, it's what's underneath. If it's not what's on your head, I don't care how many inches, I don't care how many inches you got. If it's not what's on your head, it's what's underneath. Amen. Because Jesus said, life is more than food. Your body is more than clothing. It's more to life than food and clothes. It's more to life than what other people think about what you wear. Amen. So think about this. Jesus did not recruit his disciples on, on their attire. They didn't, they didn't have to dress a certain way to be disciples of Jesus. He didn't go looking for cats who had Gucci sandals on. He wasn't looking for, he wasn't looking for dudes who could, who could wear, you know, who could rock the latest gear. He was, he was looking for people who, who, who could receive the good news of Jesus Christ, the, the good news of the kingdom. He wasn't, it wasn't about what you could wear. What about you? Jesus himself was poor. I, I, doubted if Jesus, I doubted if Jesus could even afford Stacy Adams, which for some of us, that's like, that's like bottom shelf. I mean, I know some of y'all rocking your Stacy, but that's... I, I don't think Jesus wore designer 
He was poor. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. What matters is Jesus loves you. He loves you. When you're barefoot, he loves you. When, with, with your bonnet on your head, he loves you. With your bonnet on your head and you in Walmart. You ain't got no business being in Walmart with a bonnet on your head. He still loves you. He loves you. He loves the real you. He died for you so you can rock with him. Surrender your soul to him. That's what life is all about. In fact, I want to encourage everybody, especially our, our young people here today. I want to encourage everybody. Listen, don't worry about trying to fit in. Rather, stand out. Stand out. Stand out. Stand out and wear this. Here's what the Bible tells us to wear. Isaiah said, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. That word salvation means deliverance. It means help. It means victory. Isaiah said, listen, uh, God is going to move in such a way. God can move in such a way where he can deliver you from sin. He can deliver you from trouble and have you wear victory. You can, you can wear deliverance. You can, you can wear it like, like that's, that's, what I, that's what I walk in. That's what I live in. That's what I, I sleep in victory. I walk in victory. I'm, I'm getting on the bus in victory. I'm, I'm pushing my car when I run out of gas and can't get no gas. Because I ain't got $5 to put another gallon of gas in my car. Still got victory. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. That word righteousness. When you see righteousness in the Bible, it can also be interpreted justice. I got the robe of justice, robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments. That word ornaments is not like Christmas ornaments that you put on a tree. It means it speaks of headgear, a crown, a crown. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, a crown, and a bride adorneth herself with jewels. That's what Christ wants us to wear. Stand out and wear that. Then the New Testament would tell us to stand out and wear this. Colossians 3, 12 says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. Kind, wear, wear that to school. Wear that to work. Kindness. Wear, everybody needs to wear kindness. How many of y'all know some mean folk? Need to wear some kindness. Put on kindness. Put it on like a coat. Humility. How many of y'all know some proud folk ain't got no business being proud? Ain't got nothing, don't know nothing. Humility, gentleness, and patience. Then in the 14th verse of Colossians 3, above all, clothe yourselves with what? Love. Love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Clothe yourself in love. This is something you got to put on yourself. You got to put it on yourself. So then Jesus went on to tell a story. Told a story about this brother who had some barns. My man cries out. Jesus is trying to teach. Dude cries out. Hey, hey Jesus, Rabbi, Master, listen, I need some help. Have my brother, have my brother give me my share of the inheritance. It's not the only time somebody tried to get Jesus involved in a family dispute. Y'all remember Mar Mary and Martha? Martha came to Jesus. Hey, tell my sister to get up and help me. Be careful when, you, when you're trying to sick Jesus on your family members. That thing can backfire on you. Backfired on dude in the story. Jesus told them a story about this dude who had barns. My man, my man had fertile ground, built up, his, built up his, his storage, and had so much, he said, I know what, I'll tear down these barns and build bigger ones. Now, the barns that they had back then wasn't like what we are, are accustomed to seeing today. They were actually, they were, many of them actually were huge holes in the ground. They were these huge pits that they would dig and, and store there their grain in, it would last longer. It would keep certain things from getting to it. They, they might dig a hole in the ground and store it that way. But my man had so much stuff, so much stuff. He had to get, 
He had to get another closet added on to his house. He, he had to get another storage unit to store all of his stuff. He, he had so much stuff, he had to put it all in, some of it in his mama house. and Some of it, some of it at his side piece. No, maybe not side piece. But he, he had to store it somewhere. Yeah. So much stuff. Here's what Proverbs tells us in Proverbs 27 and 1. Don't brag about tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. My man was like, I got so much stuff, man, I can, I can just put my stuff up, build some bigger barns, a bigger, deep, dig a deeper hole, and just chill. I'm set for the rest of my life. My man was talking like, like he hit the grain lotto. Like he, he was a farmer. He was talking like he hit the, the farm lotto. No, because Jesus went on to tell the story. But God said to him after he talked about, I'm going to dig these barns. I'm going to store all my stuff. I'm going to chill the rest of my life. He said, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Then who's going to get all those shoes in your closet? Who's going to get all those suits, all those, all those pants, all those jeans? Who's going to get all those sneakers? Lord, have mercy. Who's going to get all that stuff that you, that you swear up and down? I'm going to get back in it. I'm going to get back. No, I've been working out. I'm going to get back in it. Verse 21. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. A person is a fool to have earthly wealth and not store up a rich relationship with God. Now listen, Jesus is not saying a person is a fool if they've accumulated wealth. It's not a sin to be wealthy. Amen. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to be wealthy and have and have. Uh, uh, financial blessings stored up for your future. Y'all understand what I'm saying? I, I, I read what my man is saying, and I know Jesus is just telling a story, but it makes me wonder, y'all, it makes me wonder when Jesus says it's, it's a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. I wonder if somebody could read that text and have a misunderstanding of retirement. Isn't that what we do in retirement? We store up what we need for our future use. That's, that's retirement. Come on, retired saints. It's a, most of y'all are retired. Don't get quiet. <laughs> retirement. Jesus does not forbid storing up for the future. In fact, it is wise, young folk, it is wise, all of us still on the grind, it is wise, all of, you, all of us who go and graduate high school one day and get into the workforce or, or, or launch your business or your record label or your clothing line or, or whatever you're going to do, it is wise to prepare for retirement. I need some retirement saints to just say something right now. It's good when you can wake up any given day and like, man, what am I going to do today? Let me ask y'all something about the history of retirement. When did retirement become a thing? When did it become a thing? Was it around 300 B.C., 200 A.D., mid to late 1800s, 1955? Pop quiz. How many of you would say 300 B.C. is when retirement really became a thing? 300 B.C. How many of y'all 300? Okay. Uh, 200 A.D. 200 A.D. Retirement became a thing in Athens around 200 A.D. Anybody? All right. Mid to late 1800s. How many of y'all would say mid to late 1800s? All right. 
Okay. 1955. How many of y'all said 1955? Man. And so the sermon today ought, should have been, how many of y'all are smarter than a middle schooler? <laughs> Mid to late 1800s. Mid to late. Yeah, come on. Give yourselves a hand. I ain't mad. Mid to late 1800s. Yeah. It, 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 some people say it may have had some roots in Germany, uh, but then also in America. It started out as a, as a means for the government to look out for older people who could not work. Up until the mid to late 1800s, folk worked until they couldn't work anymore. Many times they worked until they died. Now, they were farmers, right? They were farmers. In many instances, they worked until they couldn't work anymore. They worked until they died. But this retirement thing came about. It's wise to put money away for retirement. To all of my saints just getting into the grind, just getting into the game, put money away for retirement. It's never too early to start. Never too early to start. All my young people, if you don't remember nothing else from today, remember this. When you get your first job, you start putting money away in retirement. Especially if the employer, and I said this last week, but I got some people who are here today who weren't here last week. If you end up working for somebody who's going to match what you put into your, into your retirement, put every penny you can in there. Max it out. Here's what the Bible says about preparing, preparing for your future. Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter but you lazy bones how long will you sleep when will you wake up a little extra sleep a little extra sleep a little more slumber a little folding of the hands to rest then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit scarcity will attack you like an armed robber amen so how do fools live and die jesus said my man said that he will store up all of his stuff and chill for the rest of his life. You're a fool because you, you're going to die tonight and you ain't ready to see God. Fools live and die with no preparation for the eternal well-being of their soul. Greed, self-centeredness, and the certainty of death ought to make us consider how we live and die and how it all impacts those we live. Death is certain, y'all. I don't want to scare anybody, but death is certain. If we don't learn anything else from this pandemic, it ought to teach us death is certain. Everybody going to die. Death is certain. Don't be afraid of it, though. For the believer, death is something that we shouldn't be afraid of. We can't be afraid of death. Death is just a, the doorway to being in the presence of God forever. Be prepared. Don't be scared. Be prepared. Consider the eternal well-being of your soul and the impact of your loss on the souls you leave behind. Now... Jesus wasn't even talking about life insurance, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about life insurance because as we talk about being prepared to die and stand before the Lord, I just want to dwell on the notion of how financial literacy ought to have all of us prepared to die because we have life insurance. Here's something that I found from a, a certain website. It's on, it's on the screen. Borrowing is where African-American financial literacy is highest. While knowledge about insurance, types of coverage, and how insurance works is the lowest. In other words, a lot of us don't have life insurance because we don't know enough about it. Low financial literacy in the areas of insuring and comprehending risk is particularly troubling. Risk and uncertainty are inherent in financial decision making. And individuals face a range of choices regarding events to insure and how to structure their coverage. All right? Understanding how insurance works 
In other words, the trade-off between deductibles and premiums and what constitutes appropriate coverage is important. Poor insurance decisions can leave an individual underinsured for some risk and overinsured for others as well as overpaying for coverage. Let me, let me say this. I meant to say this last week. Let me say this. I'm, I'm talking about this stuff on a Sunday morning because we, especially as African Americans, we need this information. And if I was to have a financial seminar on a Saturday morning or a Thursday night or a Bible study, most of us who need it would not come. Amen. As a people, we need to stop blaming white folk for where we ain't. Everything that's going wrong in black America ain't, ain't somebody else's fault. Some of it is. Systemic racism is a thing. Systemic injustice is a thing. I believe that. But some of this stuff we're doing to ourselves and ignorance is a thing. Amen. It's time for us to get smarter with our money. Let me give you all another quiz. The sole purpose of life insurance is to ensure there's enough money to bury your loved one. True or false? Make sure you got enough money to bury Roscoe when Roscoe pass away. It's false. It's false. There's more to life insurance than make sure you got enough money to buy to bury your loved one. Number one, it leaves a legacy. It can replace lost income for surviving spouses. Every head of household, every head of household ought to have enough life insurance on you to where if you pass away and that income goes away, your, your surviving spouse and children won't have to struggle to make it because you're not there to generate that income. There's this gentleman, I apologize, I can't remember his name. He's a black guy. Uh, growing up, his dad died. He's like nine years old. His dad died. And um, he's in a big family, nine years old, dad dies. So his mom is struggling to bury the father and take care of him and all of his siblings. He was so inspired by the struggles that he saw, uh, uh, nine years old lo losing his dad and the, and the struggles of his family, he got into selling insurance so that no other African-American families would have to go through what he went through because the family didn't have any life insurance. It can finance college tuition for children. And I didn't know this until I talked to Sister Wanda Verrett yesterday. Thank you, Sister Verrett. Tax-free. When you get, when someone passes away in Georgia, you get that money from that life insurance policy. That money you get from that policy is tax-free in the state of Georgia. It's tax-free. It can also help close the wealth gap. One thing, and this is, this is research-based, more African Americans are buying life insurance due to the pandemic. We realize now, hey, bro, we need... We need to get some life insurance on our loved one because so many of our loved ones are dying from this disease. And I need to make an announcement today. GoFundMe is not a life insurance policy. GoFundMe is not life insurance. Don't, don't, don't decide you're not going to buy life insurance and then if your loved one dies, oh, we'll just, we just start a, we just start a GoFundMe. Like, GoFundMe is not a life insurance policy. So I want to tell you this. Please get life insurance on yourself and the people you love. Get life insurance on yourself and the people you love. Now, as followers of Jesus, as, as disciples of Jesus in the body of Christ, the best life insurance is blessed assurance. <laughs> blessed assurance is the best life insurance. Come on, y'all know the song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of what? Glory divine, heir of salvation. I, I, I inherit salvation. I, I inherit 
the gift of salvation. I don't have to work for it. I can't pay for it. I don't have to, I don't have to serve in church to get it. I don't have to go to church to get it. I am an heir of salvation. Salvation being saved from my sins, eternal life is a gift that I inherit because Jesus died for me. That's, that's blessed assurance. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, washed in his blood. Now, I don't know what your song is. I don't know, I don't know what your story is, but this is my story. It's my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. On my way to the gas station, praising my Savior all the day long. On, on my way to the grocery store when the shelves are empty, I'm still praising <laughs> all the day long. My good days, my bad days, days when I have plenty, days when I'm struggling, S-T-R-U-G-G-O. L-I-N, struggling. Make that a spelling word for all of you still in elementary school. Yeah, blessed assurance. That's the best life insurance to have because I got Jesus in my life. If you don't have Jesus in your life, it doesn't matter how much life insurance you have. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Doesn't, listen, if you don't have Jesus in your life, according to the scriptures, in hell you shall lift up your eyes. But praise God for the gift. Gift, God. God says, I'm just going to give it to you. Everlasting life. If you, accept, if you accept my son, I'll just give you everlasting life. So be wise and be rich toward God. I'm done, Jonathan. Be wise and be rich toward God. Here's what the word of God says in 1 Timothy 6, verses 18 and 19. Paul was encouraging Timothy with some advice for rich folk. Rich folk. He says, Tim, tell, tell them, rich folk, tell them, use their money to do good. He didn't say, Tim, tell them they ain't got no business being rich. They ain't supposed to be following Jesus being rich. No, he says, tell them, tell the rich saints, use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. Not only their future on earth, but their future beyond the grave. How many of you know there is a future beyond the grave? There's a future beyond the grave. There's a glorious future beyond the grave. A wonderful future beyond the grave. Awesome future beyond the grave. They will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. True life. Not just what you wear. Not your hair. Not your body shape. True life. So I'm closing with this and I'm done. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and be financially literate. Study the Bible and look up how to make money. How to invest money. How to, how to spend money wisely. Study money. Study how to have streams of income. If the Lord says the same in the creek, don't rise. We're going to talk about streams of income next week. Um, some of our saints going to share their home-based businesses that they have. You want to generate wealth? You need more than one check coming in each month. Study investing. Study insurance. Study credit scores. Study risk. The whole nine. If you got that smartphone in your hand, then you're talking about you don't know and you don't know what to look up. Man, Google can help you with almost anything. YouTube can help you with almost anything. There's podcasts out there on almost everything. You got to know more than how to do TikTok. <laughs> Have some dollars in your pocket and some sense in your head. Ensure your soul is prepared for eternal life.
with Christ. That's what it means to be wise and to be rich toward God. Amen. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.